from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs. This is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Well, Chiefs fans, round one is in the books, and your team did not choose to come back into the first round. But there are a lot of other things going on, things that trickle down today, too, which we will have coverage for you as well. We're going to get into all of that coming up here in a little bit. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics, and your host at RGR Football. And I'm Chris Clark. Thank you for listening. And man, there was a lot of stuff that went on during that draft. And first and foremost, thank you for the Las Vegas Raiders to continue to Raider. <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit of confusion about what they're doing over there. I'm not. We'll, we'll, sure. we'll talk about that after a while. But there is news that we do need to talk about that I think really could have a big effect on this division. What might that be? Uh, there's a certain QB in the NFC North that could be looking to be moving teams. And that would be one Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yep. The latest MVP, the guy that uh, beat out Patrick last year. Um, a lot of rumors hit just a couple hours before the draft started. Um, still rumoring out there. I know there was a tweet bouncing around. I think I even retweeted it at one point before I pulled that down because it was back from like, 2011 about being a nice day in Denver. Um, but on a number of levels, this is something that brings, if it does happen, there's a whole lot of hoops to jump through. There's a ton of dedicated cap space that would turn to dead money, as I understand it, in Green Bay if this were to happen. They have to negotiate that as well as a number of things about value. I mean, how do you put a value on the most valuable player in the league? Well, I would make an argument that he wasn't the most valuable player in the league, but that's beside the point. Uh, the guy that won MVP last year, and, and I still argue that he wasn't as highly as MVP as people would say, but whatever. What I will say, though, is the front runner seems to be the Denver Broncos. Uh, it was rumored that San Francisco was on a short list, but obviously they took Trey Lance. Uh, it's also reported that the Las Vegas Raiders are on that list. I think that would be fascinating just because seeing Gruden and Rodgers and seeing how long uh, Gruden could keep his mouth shut and keep Rodgers happy would be kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> and, and like I said earlier, we'll talk about the Raiders draft in a little bit later segment. But looking at the Aaron Rodgers situation, if he gets traded to Denver, they had an opportunity to go take a QB at nine. Fields was still sitting there and they went corner. So to me, that means that they still think it's possible that they could go and get Aaron Rodgers. And if you're Green Bay, the first thing you could do to help mend the situation is go draft an offensive player, maybe even a wide receiver in the first round, and they go defense. Yeah, it's um, there's a lot of options there. I even think that there's even an outside chance that maybe this means that uh, George Payton is actually happy with Teddy Bridgewater a guy that he was in the room to draft when he came out. I don't I don't know. This just seems like there's so many hurdles to get this done, both monetarily and compensation-wise. It seems crazy, but you're right. That that move to forego uh, a quarterback there when there was one, um, at least certainly with a first-round grade on the board, that seems interesting, if not um, leading to one conclusion. Well, and I will say, I'm not saying that the Broncos have to go get Aaron Rodgers. I just expect that they're going to try uh, because, and honestly, you know, a lot of people will say, well, they just traded for Teddy Bridgewater literally the day before. And yeah, that's true. I don't think they had a clue that Aaron Rodgers was going to be available. 
to me, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't change the fact that Aaron, if Aaron Rodgers is available, you make the trade because there's only maybe two or three teams in the NFL that shouldn't. Yeah, that's fair. It's going to be interesting. I, I do feel like every team in this division is gearing up. I think that day one shows you that uh, in a number of different ways from the selections that the other teams in this division were able wait, to make. Now, wait a second. You think the Raiders are gearing up with that selection? I think they're gearing up. They're still. I think their goal is still to come after the Chiefs. I'm not saying that they're accomplishing their goals. I'm saying that, that is their goal. We'll get into the details after this. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designated by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only at BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high-quality fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. Now, you bring up a very good point. Um, the conundrum that is the Las Vegas franchise of this league um, did a couple of things that were out of whack, I think. What did you think? I mean, if they're gearing up, they're gearing up from, like, outer space trying to go after – I don't know. I, I, I honestly, like – and I said it, and this had to have been, like, seven or eight picks before the Raiders picked tonight. And I said, you know – well, actually, it's probably only two or three picks before the Raiders picked because I think it was around – pick 14, 13 or 14. I said that there were really no surprises. And what I meant was there wasn't any surprises in my mind as to the players that went. It may have been a little bit surprising with the teams that got them, but I still thought the players were valued about where they should be for the most part. I mean, you're going to be within four or five picks of a lot of, of where a lot of these guys were drafted, at least in the first 15 to 16 picks. Then <laughs> you get to the Raiders and they go with Alex Leatherwood. Yeah, I don't get it. Now, this fits a pattern to me that we've seen since Mike Mayock took the GM job. And I don't know that this is a Mayock pick or if it's a Gruden pick or if it's, you know, the one guy that they could agree well, on. I have no idea. The one th- thing, one thing I will say on that, and I want you to finish your thought, but the one thing I will say on that is Gruden was screwing up picks before Mayock came in. So to me, <laughs> that points more to Gruden than it does Mayock, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, and the 10-year contract does actually, you know, mean something. Um, but I will say this. Alex Leatherwood's a decent player. Um, was he overdrafted? Sure. I had him as a mid-second round guy. But he is a solid player. He belongs in this lead. This is not like out of left field nowhere, right? But it, like Cleveland, Cleveland Farrell, um, it, it's well, just What about Damon Arnett last year? Well, yeah. I mean, Arnett somewhat, I think that was closer to his actual value. But I mean, Farrell especially stands out to me as a pick that, like, yes, he's a good player, but it was just so overvalued for them that, quite frankly, they didn't need to do it. And it was uh, them hurting themselves more than the league taking guys out from under them. Well, but they hurt themselves with this pick in my mind because, yes, I think Leatherwood is a player in the NFL, but they could have got him in the 40s. 
Yeah, absolutely. Or they could have That's- traded back up to get him in the late 30s if they want, if they didn't think they could get him in the 40s. And they were picking, I believe, in the 40s. So I think they could have got him in their second round selection and taken somebody that was still sitting there. Uh, I mean, there was people talking about them having an interest in Mac Jones, which I thought was interesting. Obviously, Mac Jones went to the Patriots two picks before, mm-hmm. but that's still interesting. It is. I, I I agree. Leatherwood is is definitely a player that should be there again. They just they did they outdid themselves when I think there were a lot more talent still on the board. As it ends off of my main board, um, I believe there are only two picks remaining that I had first round grades on. One of those was um, Aziz Ojolari. I don't know that that's somebody the Chiefs are going to be interested in. He is definitely. I think suffering from the red flag that the Indianapolis Medicals brought back on his uh, knee, I believe it was. Um, and the other is Tevin Jenkins. And that is a bit uh, surprising to some as well. Now, we all know, I think this this draft clearly illustrated to me that other than the really, really high end of the film grades here, that the NFL is not near as impressed with the offensive line group as what the media has been. I think that plays out. The question is, is Tevin Jenkins falling for a specific reason? Is it just that he's graded as a round two guy and and we out here overinflated his value? Or is there something wrong? Is it arm length? We have had ad nauseum discussions this offseason about, and I think Chiefs have actually proven with their aggression towards Orlando Brown that they are one of the teams that do have thresholds for arm length. And that's why some of these guys just won't work for the Chiefs. And I think that's a definite possibility. The question I have is, is that going to keep them from drafting him to play a different position? Because honestly, if arm length is your issue, that really doesn't become an issue anymore if you're playing inside and you're playing a guard. So to me, I would think that if Tevin Jenkins is sitting there at 45, which I just, I can't imagine is going to be the case tomorrow or by the time you're listening to this today, uh, I just, I would not be shocked if, somebody's going to trade up to go get him and I wouldn't be opposed if Kansas city did. And I understand, and this is something I said on Twitter earlier tonight, cause I had people asking me, can Kansas city trade back into the first round? And I said, technically, if you look at the newer trade value chart, they couldn't have traded into the first round with their two second round picks. They only could have got up to like 34. So they would have had to throw in more than just their two second round picks. And Brett Veach after the draft tonight said he was not tempted at all to trade up into the first round and that he still values the players in the second round. So to me, I think that they're going to get guys that they want. The question is, is are they interested in some of the guys that have fallen that we didn't expect to be there and we expected to be first round picks? Yeah, I, I agree. And Tevin Jenkins came in at 33 and a half in the arm length. Um, while that doesn't meet the 34 the Chiefs usually like, they will go a little bit below that. But it certainly is within range if they want to put him at guard. And I think that's not a terrible idea. Um, Could you imagine I, him at right guard? Right. I mean, I know you just signed Kyle Long and you expect LDT back, but you put Tevin Jenkins at, at right guard and you can leave Austin Blythe where he is. I think you would have a mean and nasty unit across the board. Yeah, I, I can certainly agree with that. And quite frankly, there are other players out there as well. Um, the The talk of Creed Humphrey in the first round was definitely overblown. He will be available on day two. The Chiefs can like fill in their center position if they feel like it. Um, there are a couple of other things. I thought the wide receiver group 
caught them off guard a little bit. And that's something the Chiefs could be looking to kind of backfill a little bit. I didn't think that Tony warranted a first day uh, selection. Did you? <laughs> but who took him? I mean, to me, that's really what it comes down to. Gettleman, I don't think, really knows the draft where people should be going. And I was impressed. He did trade out of his original pick mm-hmm. and get the guy that he probably wanted earlier on. So there's that. He didn't reach for Tony. And, and although I guess it's still a reach, he didn't reach near as much as he could have for Tony. Uh, but, you know, honestly, you start talking about the the Giants, you talk about Tony, but also you start looking at how often do you see division rivals trade? Yeah, that watching was. watching the giant or not the Giants, sorry, the Eagles and the Cowboys trade. I mean, and Micah Parsons going to Dallas, I didn't see that coming either. Um, I mean, he's a great linebacker and all, but I I would have thought you know with Leighton Vander Esch there and uh, was it Jalen Smith? I would think that they're probably pretty set. And now they're they're three deep and and they're probably going to be not picking up the fifth year option of Vander Esch at this point. So. Uh, is that really the direction that the Cowboys defense wants to go? Yeah, that was a bit of a conundrum. And th- there are other things that are kind of surprising. We're going to get into the rest of the AFC West and how it affects the Chiefs and who might be falling to them here coming up next. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar in the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all the bars. And we recognize it's been hard to keep up with the brackets and all the new flavors. But let's remember, when it all comes said and done, there are a couple things that really stand out, like cookies and cream with 17 grams of protein at 130 calories, or almond coconut, which is one of my favorites still. And you can get a serious discount over at BuiltBar.com by using the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 50% off your next order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Conundrum was a great word, by the way, about the uh, the Cowboys. I'm not sure what their goal was or or why why you do that. Um, I we knew that they were hot and heavy for corners, evidently. Well, the Denver Broncos actually did pull that off. That's what they did instead of the quarterback and taking Pat Sertan, who was my CB one. Uh, I I think that is again a bit of evidence that. The AFC West in particular is aiming at the Chiefs and trying to to slow down what they have at the wide receiver spot. Yeah, the, and, uh, uh, honestly, I, I th- understand what they're doing, but at the same time, you know, Kyle Fuller will be gone after this year. Uh, I'm spacing on the other Broncos corner right now, but there's another corner that they have that's only on a one-year deal uh, that's new in Denver as well. So you're sitting there in a situation where you're going to any corners in the future, so I get the pick. But if you really don't believe in Drew Locke, I don't understand how you can put your faith in Teddy Bridgewater uh, when Justin Fields is sitting there at nine. Yeah. I uh, mean, that's a very good point. Uh, if you really wanting to compete with Kansas City, you got to get better at the most important position on the field. Well, and the team that did that in getting Justin Herbert last year, I thought they made the best pick of the AFC West in this first round and getting Slater in there to, to help keep him upright and keep him from having to break the pocket because I think he's better in the pocket. Well, and I think that there's no way they expected Slater to be there at 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was. And, you know, only one defensive player, I'm not trying to change the subject, but only one defensive player went in the top 10 and that went to the Broncos. Yep. Uh, there was a lot of talk that there might not be any guy, any defensive players going in the top 10. And that almost happened. Yeah. I mean, and 
you know, not much of a surprise. Kyle Pitts goes early. Um, I had Trey Lance to the Niners, and so that worked out. I think Mac Jones is not a surprise that he fell uh, to New England. That was a rumor as well. Jalen Waddle, my wide receiver two, goes wide receiver two. I'm pretty happy with that. Um, a lot of reunions tonight. Absolutely. Um, Jalen Hurts gets a teammate. Tua gets a teammate. Good for them. I think that's Joe Burrow got a teammate. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, Joe, I'm sorry. Remember when you're in the recovery room after your next knee surgery? This is why. Yep. Dang. I mean, nothing against Jamal. They had Andrew. The Bengals took Jonah Williams last year at pick 11. And that was to play left tackle. So I kind of understand it from that perspective. You're not going to double up two years in a row uh, from 11 to five. But man, yeah, I, Joe Burrow's got to be happy that he has Jamar Chase, but he's got to wonder about the, about the protection there. And honestly, you know, Sewell got, you know, just eaten up by the Lions. And I can't say I blame the Lions at all. I mean, they seemed like they were ecstatic with that pick. Yeah, I have to say, I think I, I would be too. Uh, Sewell's a, a unique breed. I think the thing that stood out to me the most in this first round was back-to-back running backs in the mid-20s. It's one thing for Najee Harris, although I wouldn't have done that. But to have Etienne in the first round as well to the Jags, like I just don't understand that. I think that was Especially with what they've done. Especially with what they've done at, at, at running back. James Robinson was their running back last year. They go and sign... Uh, Carlos Hyde in the offseason, and now you go and draft Tyson or Travis Etienne. I mean, I I don't understand. You're right. I don't understand that movie either. And then the Najee Harris thing, I get that Pittsburgh needs a running back, but at the same time, you're sitting there looking at their offensive line going, okay, well, who's going to block for him? <laughs> Are you really going to be able to get a better running game because you don't have anybody that can block for him right now? So he better be a superstar. Yeah, it, it's it's difficult. Like, and this goes back, and and again, I think Clyde actually paid off, despite the fact I don't, I still wouldn't have taken a, a running back in the first round. This, these two are, I, I think, a farther stretch to see production, particularly ATN, particularly with a new coaching staff in Jacksonville. Like, I, I question the evaluation of coming onto that roster and seeing what you have, and thinking this is what was going to be your your number two priority after the quarterback. And I don't disagree with that thought process, but I guess here's my quandary to you, or here's my question to you when it comes to that. I get questioning taking a running back number one or in the first round last year for Kansas City. I still like the pick, but I understand the thought process when you're looking back on it. You know, obviously, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty and everything, but you're not going to figure that your left tackle is going to be gone and your right tackle is going to be gone, and you're going to be missing some of the other pieces that Kansas City's missed most of the season. So, to me. I think it was still the right choice because I think Clyde actually is going to be a huge part of this offense moving forward. I do think that uh, they're going to use him and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm interested to see when you start looking at what Kansas City is sitting at, they're sitting at what, 58 and 63. So two picks within five of each other. And as other people pointed out when I talked about Kansas City moving into the first round because I was asked about it, uh, if they traded up into the first round and used both of their second round picks, they would not have a pick until the fifth round. Or, sorry, late fourth. So, at that point, you're sitting there going, well, you know, are you going to give up the second and third round to go get a guy? I, I get why they wouldn't want to. 
Yeah, it, it makes sense. And there's there's a number of guys still available. Like, let's take a look real quickly at who's best available out here. Um, the linebackers went quicker than I expected. Um, I really didn't think Jamin Davis had a first round grade, but the fact that he jumped Jeremiah Wusukoromoa from Notre Dame, I think that was more of a surprise than anything. He's still on the board. Jabril Cox is still on the board. Um, I want to hear you say that name multiple times. Sorry, that's all I'm going to say. Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but he's out you. so like a coverage linebacker like honestly I, I don't think Cormo can end up being a linebacker I think he's got to be like the Dan Sorensen nickel corner safety type um, he is great in space so there's that option I don't know if the Chiefs are going to feel the need to go up for him or Jabril Cox I think they're probably likely to wait on that but he's there Kevin Jenkins obviously on the offensive line uh, Ojolari is is you know depending on the medical Probably the edge out there, along with Ronnie Perkins, is still out there. Um, Liam Eikenberg, who we we actually mocked multiple times to the Chiefs in the first round at 31, he is still available. I think at this point, after everything is said and done, I did move him to guard on my draft board. I think that's still viable. Um, none of this. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, none of the defensive tackles went yet. Um, Levi Anwuzarike, I think, was one that is interesting. And that's exactly where I was going to go with my comment. Um, the Chiefs have talked about having Chris Jones play outside this year. Is it possible that if some of those defensive tackles keep dropping, that they take a defensive tackle at 58 or 63? It's possible. Um, I mean, that's a, I, That seems to be the deepest position on this roster, and yet I still wonder if they'll do it because that's where the talent is. Yeah. And that may be. I mean, and if it falls all the way to there, then I, I think I'm comfortable taking on Mazurika. Um, I still don't think Barmore is consistently putting out effort enough for me. I think he's a lot of flash and a lot of, of trough, to tell you the truth. Um, I do like Milton uh, from La Tech. I, he could be an option out there as well. And then you get into some of the secondary edge rushers that I think the Chiefs might be in the market for as well, including Carlos Basham. Um there's there's definitely options out there, and I think, quite frankly, I, I'm a little bit surprised that there's more than a maybe that I expected at some of those positions. Terrace Marshall still available, Diami Brown. Those are the two big X receivers that are still on the board after the first round that I think the Chiefs could be interested in. Yeah, and you got to wonder if they're going to be there at 58 or 63. I do think that the talent is going to continue to be moving all around, and what I mean by that is with medicals not being certain this year and with a lot of people opting out and the different things, teams are going to have to go back to the tape and just base it on that. And that's going to move different players around based on how teams rank them on their tape. And that's going to be something that I think becomes even more of an issue when you get into these second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds, because at that point it's not blue chip prospects anymore. You're not looking at, you know, insane measurables as as much as you are looking at tape and what the players are doing on the field. So I think that could be very interesting to watch. It very well could be. Well, tomorrow night, we will be back probably late with uh, hopefully a couple of selections by your Kansas City Chiefs. Maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I got to think something anything, happened. I'm not putting anything past Brett Beach at this point. I think they make one selection at least for sure. I'm just not sure if they make two. Okay. They could they could move up and make one and then trade back out of this. Well, 
Okay. I think that they make two because I'm sorry. I was just thinking about the second round. I think that they probably will make two. I don't know if they pick two in the second round. Let me put it that way. Right. That's fair. But we will have a breakdown for you afterwards. Uh, we had a couple of te- technical difficulties. We're not going to be streaming for the Locked On Network, but you can watch RGR. I'll be live on there the entire time. We'll have the breakdown for you afterwards. And then we'll come back and we'll do a wrap-up when the draft is done. I think they're going to be pretty active on day three, and that's going to be interesting as well. So we hope you guys enjoyed the first round. The second round is really tailor-made for you as Kansas City Chiefs fans. We appreciate your time and listening to us tonight, and we'll talk to you next time. Ryan Tracy is the founder of Rogue Analytics and the host of RGR Football on YouTube. Follow him there. Chris Clark is a senior analyst at ChiefsDigest.com where you can get his work. Rate and review at Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you for listening.